Right, okay, good morning everybody. I hope you can hear me. So this morning, I want to talk about Judas and Peter. So that's Judas Iscariot, who betrayed the Lord, and Peter, who didn't. So we're going to um, read from a few scriptures, but they're all in Matthew 26 and Matthew 27. So let's turn first, let's start with prayer actually. So Father, we do thank you and praise you that you um, have given us your word. And I pray that I would handle your word correctly and that you would lead me as I speak here and um, bring these truths. So I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So please turn with me to Matthew 26, 33 to 35. Right, that's where we're starting. Okay. Let's actually start at 31. So Matthew 26, 31. Then Jesus said to them, All of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have been raised, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered and said to him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. And then we go forward to Matthew 26:47. And this is the um, account of the betrayal. And while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came with the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given him a sign, given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, sees him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him away. And then the next scripture is Matthew 26:69. Now Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You also were with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to those who were with who were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And a little later those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you are one of them, for you, your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the man. This was the third time, and immediately a rooster crowed, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus who had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. And finally, Matthew 27, 3. So the um, Pharisees, etc., have just received the chief priests, etc., have just received the money. And then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had condemned, been condemned, was remorseful, and brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? You see to it. 
Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. But the chief priests took the silver pieces and said it's not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. And they considered, consulted together and brought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. Therefore the field has been called the field of blood to this day. So, we have there four different accounts. We have there the account of Peter denying Jesus three times. And we have the account of Judas betraying Jesus. And so it's interesting, just one or two observations here that aren't the main part of the sermon, but it's interesting that Jesus, uh, that Judas actually had to identify Jesus by kissing him. And it's possible because, of course, there was no photography in those days, so there were no photographs or images of Jesus like there would have been today on social media, etc. And we assume that the Pharisees must have known what Jesus looked like. And some of them may have remembered what he looked like when they saw him in a large crowd, I don't know. But they needed to be sure. So Judas gave them the signal by kissing him. And Jesus responded by saying, Friend, why have you come? So even though Jesus referred to Judas all throughout as the devil, or one of you is a devil, etc., he still referred to him here as friend. So that suggests perhaps that Judas had a chance to repent. But we'll talk a little bit about that later. But really what I want to talk about is comparing Judas with Peter. And throughout history, there are names that are synonymous with evil. And we know what those names are. Hitler is obviously the main one that we associate with evil. Before Hitler came to power, or before the war, it was just a normal Germanic surname. Basically, it was quite common in Austria, in the same way that Braithwaite might be quite common in Yorkshire, in England. And we don't associate the name Braithwaite with evil, but if someone did what Hitler did and their name happened to be Braithwaite, then that name would become synonymous with evil. And the interesting thing is that in, the Jewish, that in a Jewish cemetery somewhere in Austria, there is buried one Adolf Hitler back in the 19th century who happened to be a Jewish man with the same name as Adolf Hitler. And it was, it's just kind of ironic. So it's a name that's synonymous with evil, and then we know the other names in the Nazi party that are synonymous with evil. And Judas in the same way through the ages has come to be synonymous with a certain type of evil the evil of betrayal of being in appearance one thing but actually being the exact opposite and being a betrayer so Judas that name means betrayer now of course back in the day there were lots of Judases it was just an ordinary name and today there are variations on that name there's Jude Judith, Jules, Julian, etc., etc. But there's no one that I'm aware of that's called Judas today. And I, I might be wrong. But I don't know that anyone would want to call their son Judas because it's synonymous with betrayal. It's, it, it, it's just that way. And it's interesting because we associate the name with pure evil. But it's it's, it's was Judas pure evil any more than anyone else? And so it's a bit of a mystery. The mystery is why did God need someone to betray Jesus? Because 
Countless times the crowds had their hands on Jesus, but he slipped away. Maybe the crowds would have just killed him. That was their intention. And maybe God needed someone specifically to betray him. But I just don't know what the, what the specific purpose is, because it had to happen. But Jesus said, while this has to happen, woe to him through whom it happens. It would have been better for him never to have been born. Telling us that yes, God has a plan. But the one through whom that plan is carried out is responsible for their actions. God hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he could bring the full judgment of Egypt, full judgment on Egypt. But Pharaoh is still responsible. Pharaoh intended to let the children of Israel go, but God hardened his heart so he didn't let them go so that God's judgment could come fully. But Pharaoh is still responsible because God wouldn't have hardened his heart in the first place if Pharaoh wasn't um, the way he was, so to speak. So, I don't know the exact reasons, and there's many, I'm sure there are many reasons, and scholars have looked into this, I'm sure. Um, well, in fact, I did start researching it, and non-believing scholars would argue that Judas wasn't such a bad guy after all, and that he was quite seriously maligned, or, um, yeah, I can't think of the other word, um, but anyway, that's not the case. But one reason, I think, is to illustrate an issue which is highlighted by contrasting Peter and Judas. And that's something that I want to look at today. So from the details of the um, two accounts, what were the differences between what Peter did and what Judas did? Well, the details were obviously, the details were somewhat different. One betrayed Jesus, one, uh, well, they both, in fact, they both sinned and they both betrayed the Lord. In different ways they betrayed him, but they both betrayed him. And they were also remorseful afterwards and showed great regret, Judas to the point of hanging himself. So Judas also threw away a large sum of money. I'm not sure how many pieces of silver it was, but it, with it they bought a field which in today's money might be something like $250,000 possibly. It may not be quite that much, but we can be sure that what Judas threw away was a lot of money. And at the same time, Peter wept bitterly for what he did. So it doesn't appear that there's actually a great deal of difference. Both of them sinned by betraying the Lord. Both of them showed great regret. But one of them was great apostle, one of the leaders of the church, and the other one is known as the son of perdition and whose name is synonymous with evil throughout the ages. So what is the difference here? And what can we learn between these differences? And I think one of the key differences, there are three, <clears throat> one of them is the issue of intentionality or malice aforethought. In law, we talk about malice aforethought. Murder with malice aforethought is different to manslaughter. Because when you have malice aforethought, it means that you have thought about doing what you did. You have thought about murdering someone. You planned it, either well or not well, but either way, you planned it. So you had malicious intent. That is what you intended to do. But if it's manslaughter, it depends on the degree. If, if it was a car accident, then obviously you didn't intend to kill anyone. If it was one of those unfortunate situations where it was actually nobody's fault, then 
that's one thing. But if you were driving recklessly, then there was no malice aforethought. There was just total irresponsibility. So there's a degree of difference between the two. Now, Judas intended to betray Jesus. That was his intent. We read um, in the Gospels that at a certain point, the devil himself entered Judas. And Judas then sought the opportunity to betray Jesus. I don't know if the devil's ever entered anyone else, maybe Hitler, <laughs> um, but I don't know. It's not worth dwelling on. But the devil entered Judas, and from that point, Judas sought how he could betray Jesus. It was planned. What was his motives? We don't know exactly, and maybe we'll look at that later. Peter, on the other hand, did not intend to deny Jesus. He didn't intend to betray him. That was not his intention at all. In fact, he vigorously denied that he would ever deny him. Jesus said, you will be caused to stumble because of me, and you will flee, etc. And Peter said, no, I will never deny you, even if I have to die, etc., etc. Peter didn't intend to do anything. And so Peter's denial basically erupted out of him when he was under pressure. He still sinned, but it was something that he did when he was under pressure. And there was a lot of pressure at that time. The disciples were scattered. They were fearful. They didn't know what was going to happen. They didn't understand. And they didn't actually understand until after Jesus rose from the dead. And he talked to two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and he explained to them that what happened had to happen, and he explained it from Scripture, and then he opened the eyes of the rest of the disciples, and they understood. But at this point, they didn't understand. They didn't know why he had to die. And so Peter's denials came under pressure, and he even swore. He, he swore an oath. He swore under pressure. Judas planned it and was perhaps a little, even a little audacious about it when Jesus pointed out at the Last Supper that one of, one of you will betray me. They were asking, is it I, is it I, because they didn't know. Even G Judas asked, is it I? Perhaps, I don't know, sarcastically, I, I just don't know. And J Jesus basically replied, yes, go and do what you have to do. But the others still didn't get it. Okay, so basically Judas's sin was deliberate. Peter's sin was not. So I hope I made that clear. Second was the response to the uh, sin. <clears throat> Peter was repentant, whereas Judas showed remorse. Well, both of them showed remorse. Both of them regretted deeply what they did. Both of them were remorseful, but only one repented and was restored, and the other didn't repent as such. So Peter was obviously very, you know, quite, I'm not sure, he would have felt dreadful for those three days that Jesus was in the tomb. He went back with the other disciples, I, I, would have been very downcast, very regretful about what he'd done. 
And of course, in one of the accounts, the disciples are out fishing and they see that it's Jesus on the shore and they run to him. And I believe, if I remember correctly, that Peter kind of walked slowly towards him because he knew what he had done and he was, didn't feel that he could face the Lord. But it was then that Jesus restored him. Peter, do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep, etc. Feed my lambs. And so Peter was restored and fully repented of what he had done. Judas, on the other hand, did feel remorse. He obviously realized the gravity of his sin in what he had done. But he never cried out to God. He never cried out for forgiveness. He simply went and threw the money back at the Pharisees and then went and hanged himself. That's not repentance. That's something quite different. And I think that leads us to the third difference, which I believe is the biggest difference, is simply this. Judas was not a believer. Peter was. That, I believe, is the key difference. When Peter, sorry, when, Je- when Jesus asked Peter, who do men say that I am? He gave the usual responses. Some say this, some say that. Elijah the prophet, etc., etc. Then Jesus put his finger on the issue and said, who do you say I am? And Peter answered essentially, the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter recognized that Jesus was the Messiah. And uh, Jesus said, well done, Peter, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Father, the, um, yeah, the Father had revealed to Peter that Jesus, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm going The Father had revealed to Peter that Jesus was the Messiah. And no one comes to the Father but by the Son, and uh, the Father reveals the Son to those he chooses. So it is something that is revealed by God himself, and Peter believed. Now, Judas... Now, sorry, later on, Peter showed his ignorance almost in the next sentence by rebuking Jesus when he said um, that the Son of Man must die, be led away and um, crucified and Peter said far be it from me to let that happen and Jesus said get thee behind me Satan for you savour the things of men not the things of God so Peter also showed his ignorance at the same time but be that as it may Peter was a believer he believed that Jesus was the Messiah And after he was restored, he fully understood why Jesus had to die. It was revealed to him fully. But Jesus did not believe. Now the evidence of this is found in John 6, and this was the subject of Nick's last sermon. This is just a slight overlap. I I don't want to appropriate what Nick preached. I do remember once when I started preaching on Romans, and Nick was preaching on Romans too, and so I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm now going to be preaching on John. So I'm going to. I'm not. I'm not. But this is just a bit of an overlap with Nick's last sermon. So Nick talked about those who didn't believe, the disciples who were offended by Jesus, and I walked away. And um, Jesus did. Jesus knew who the disciples were who did not believe. Right from the beginning, he knew they, who knew who they were from the beginning, and he also knew who would betray him. So he knew from the beginning who did not believe, 
and who would betray him. So Judas is mentioned in the same context as those disciples who didn't believe. Now it seems obvious to me that Judas was included in those who do not believe it. Because otherwise it would be something like, he knew from the beginning who did not believe. And also he knew the one who would betray him but who also happened to believe. I don't think that's the case at all. I think it's he knew who would not believe and who amongst those who do not believe who would betray him. So Judas didn't believe. He just simply did not believe on Jesus. Exactly what he believed isn't clear. Now he was one of the twelve disciples. Now it's made clear that he is one of the twelve. In several places it says Judas, one of the twelve. Indeed in the passage I read it says Judas, one of the twelve, when he had come to betray him. He was one of the twelve. And presumably he, he performed miracles when the disciples were sent out. When he was with all the others, he would have performed miracles, he would have seemed to be a believer, etc., or a disciple. And perhaps he's the archetypal type of false convert. I don't know. Um, it's hard to say because he walked, but he walked the walk, he talked the talk. He looked like a Christian, he acted like a Christian, but he was unregenerate. He was not born again. Now, of course, um, this was before the Holy Spirit was poured out in power. But it is arguable that the eleven disciples were born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus that you must be born again. And in the same context as this, he said, whoever believes in him has eternal life. And so, heartfelt conviction that Jesus is the Christ, something that the Father has revealed, is the point at which one becomes born again. And so, you could argue from this that the disciples were born again at this point. Judas may have thought that Jesus was possibly the Messiah. And he may have thought that the purpose of the Messiah was to come and free the Jews from the Romans. He may have had political ambitions for Jesus. That when it became evident that Jesus wasn't interested in politics, Judas decided that he would betray him. It states elsewhere that Judas was a thief and used to help himself to the money bag. So Judas was interested in money. And that's why partly he was wanting to uh, betray Jesus, possibly just for monetary gain. He may have thought that on a balance of evidence that Jesus may be the Messiah. You may have assumed that Jesus was the Messiah. But none of this, thinking that maybe he is, possibly he is, none of that is the same as believing on Jesus that characterizes the true believer. And so, while there are many characteristics of a false believer, one of the key ones is that they simply don't believe. And when it comes down to it, they may think they believe, they may wonder, but they're simply not sure. They don't believe in that heartfelt way. That is the mark of the true believer. And, because, and this is important because it is the basis of our faith, belief or faith in Christ. And we, I talked about imputed righteousness from Romans 3, I think, where... Abraham's faith was credited to him credited to him as righteousness. And so it is through faith alone and no works that one is saved. So 
Judas, a type of false believer who would have committed works. And we know that there's uh, many who will come to Jesus at the end of the age and they will say, Lord, Lord, did we not uh, perform miracles in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do X, Y, and Z in your name? And they'll be surprised that they don't have entry into the kingdom because they are relying on their works. And this scripture Jesus talked about was the church age. 2,000 years of history where people did works for the Lord, mainly in the Catholic Church, but did works for the Lord, but didn't ever know the Lord. And so their idea was that they would gain heaven through their works when that is absolutely not the case at all. And so, for an application to our lives today, did Judas know that he was a false disciple? That's an interesting question. What did he think when he first came to Jesus? Did he intend to betray him? Or is this an idea that came later on? What was going on in his head? We're not really told a lot. We don't really know fully. But maybe he came to him thinking, oh yeah, this Jesus, he could help us with the Romans. He's worth following. He's worth giving it a punt, so to speak. And he learned to appear like the rest of the disciples. He did the miracles that they did, or we assume. Was he fooling himself? We don't know. For sure. But the key question that we must ask ourselves today, and rather than dwelling on the ins and outs of Judas, because we have exactly the right amount of information about him that we need, what we need to ask ourselves today is whether we are a Judas or a Peter. We will always sin. As we go through the Christian life and we go through sanctification, things will happen that we do that we don't want to do. But that is something that God allows to happen to show us things that need to be dealt with. And that is quite different to a deliberate betrayal. So on those words, and on that question, I will end today. And uh, so, Father, I thank you for your word, and I pray that that which is from you would take root in people's hearts, that which isn't from you would simply fall to the ground and die. So we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.